Welcome again, everybody, to another episode of Mass Uh This week, it is a all-star cast because we are preparing, well, at least some of us, are preparing to go to GP Dallas. With us this week is one of the people who will be going to Dallas. You know him as Corbin. We also know him as... I just go with Chosler. Chosler88. He is Corbin. Yeah, what's up, guys? We also have another person with us who is... Coming back from the dead graves of magic, who I am attempting to guide with my misguided intuition and help him build decks that will completely wreck himself out of the tournament, it's Ladon. Say hello. What's up, everyone? We also have the most hated man in magic. You know you love him, even though people hate him. He is Jack. Dude, good luck with Robert as your mentor. (laughs) (laughs) And the innovator of the show. The whole damn reason why we do this show. Driving not 75 today. Hopefully driving some speed under 75 miles an hour is tangent. What is up, everyone? With a cougar in the backseat. That's right. That's going to make the show title change completely different. All right. And by cougar in the backseat, I, of course, mean a hot older woman, right? Cougar in the backseat. All right. Either way, you're going to have a ton of facial hair to shave off. (laughs) (laughs) All of us available to answer questions on Twitter, and our Twitter accounts will be up there, available for you to harass or add us and follow us, or do whatever you'd like. This week's show is going to be real simple. It's going to be about the spoilers given us to Japan, and GP Dallas with Corbin and Ladon going for the win, and Roberto doing coverage all over the place. But let's go to the fun part. Let's go to the spoiler list. Who would like to begin with the spoiler list? I believe I'm going to have to step in here, Robert, because I'm an annoying ass that has to take place in front of everybody. Yeah. So, um, let's just go ahead and, like, skip all the bullshit, guys. Corn. What are your thoughts on him? I guess I should probably read the card, right? Yes. Yeah, do it, man. So, Corn. Yeah, Corn the release, for those of you following along at home. He is a seven converted mana cost, colorless planeswalker. He comes into play with six loyalty, plus four loyalty, target player exiles a card from his or her hand. Negative three, exile target permanent. Negative 14, set aside all non-aura permanent cards exiled with Karn, then restart the game. That's right, you heard me, restart the game. Then put all cards set aside this way onto the battlefield under your control. It's been a long time since we've seen a pseudo Charizard effect in Magic. So do you, I, I'd say personally that this is at least going to cause a lot of problems for EDH, as he's only slightly less of a nuisance than Emrakul is, especially in a format that has multiple ways to remove, add, and insert tokens and counters where they don't need to be. But, I mean, maybe I'm alone in this. What do you guys think? I'm thinking that it's going to get banned. They're making a card that they're going to say, great, you can play it in your deck, but not in tournaments. It's. I, I think you have to ban it from EDH. I mean, the games just won't end because you have... Six players in a game, you get down to two people, somebody ultimates Karn, you have six people in the game again. A lot of people are going to say, you know, oh, Karn doesn't have a way to protect himself or anything like that, but it's like I was just saying, I mean, Rings of Bright Earth, doubling season, don't even get me started on all the, not the rebound, but the reciprocate or whatever is where it actually go, you can go and add all the counter to it. I can't remember the, the mechanic off the top of my head, but you guys know what I'm talking about, surely. Yeah, or I mean, you know. Yeah. I, I like it personally. I think, because you look at it like, it's interesting because right now standard is very geared toward ramp. The seven mana cost isn't as, as bad as it might be. 
But on the other hand, you could also just cast a Titan, and which generally would just win you the game if you're playing like Balakut or something. I don't know. Well, I mean, I th- I think it could end up in like a control deck. By the time you pass the turn back to the opponent, it has like ten loyalty. It's already difficult. Gideon, it can immediately go up to eight, and it's hard just to put enough power out to kill it. So if somebody puts this in a dedicated control deck, wraths the board, and then plays it afterwards, it takes it up to ten, it's just never going to die. And then especially when you can start exiling target permanents, <laughs> if you play for seven and he has Jace, fine. Exile Jace. I'll take it to, I'll take it to three. I'm, you know, to remove Jace without even having to battle it. It's not necessarily a bad thing at seven costs. I mean, then you could say the same thing with the Spine of Isha. It costs seven too, and it effectively does the same thing, except for it doesn't have extra abilities. Well, yeah, I mean, Karn basically will also fog, bring it down, and you vindicate something, and then they're going to have to attack it in all likelihood, you know, so then it's kind of a pseudo fog as well. A Karn and a Gideon combination would real deadly on your side of the board. We have the next card. Who would like to read the next card? Corbin, I'll go ahead and get it then. Uh, Elesh Norn, the Grand Cinnabite. Mythic, it's the one they spoiled on Daily MPG. Five colorless, two white. It's a legendary creature. It's a 4-7 with Vigilance that gives other creatures that you control plus two, plus two, and it gives creatures your opponents control minus two, minus two. So, I mean, what do you guys think? Do you think this uh, has any chance of breaking into into standard? I think it's just too expensive I think something to really break out. Precisely. Uh, it's yeah. something this big, it would take a very aggro meta, and uh, with, just as you said, Corbin, the push towards a more ramp-based stuff, I don't think you're going to see a lot of little dudes on the field so much as maybe one or two big guys that will get affected by this. Yeah, and uh, this is easier to cast color-wise than Massacre Worm, but if you're trying to be, you know, aggro decks with a lot of little creatures, Massacre Worm gives the minus two for one mana less, so I don't think Elish Norn really has a chance. So he makes a fun general. That's true. Oh, definitely. When it came to Karn, you have so many ways to ramp up to seven. And you put him out, and it's like, okay, everybody else, minus two, minus two, minus two. In a six-player game, oof, you put five people with minus two, minus twos, I mean, a lot of their decks can be wrecked by that. That's for sure. Tangent, what do you think? I, I think it's going to be great in, like, EDH, but to me... Well, it's kind of, again, you know, it's whether or not, if there's going, if it's a meta where there's a lot of smaller creatures and tokens and things, then it'll probably serve its purpose to have a couple in your deck. Uh, the only other way would be if you have, like, if you're ramping and token generating yourself, and really all you want him for is a finisher, but I just think there's more efficient ways to go about it if you're going to do that. We will move to our next card. Ladon, next card. Okay, Phyrexian Paul. Enchantment for one white and two colorless. You do not lose the game for having zero or less life, and as long as your life is zero or less, all damage dealt to you is dealt to the, as if the source had in fact. Well, I wouldn't look at it so much like that. I mean, you let, once again, if you put this in the con- certain context, this card could be very... This oh, these cards. Oh, all these cards are a problem. All of them, they're killing trees. But um, this card can be very problematic <laughs> in the right situation. Some people on Twitter were saying, uh, you know, it's basically a gain 10 life kind of card. And it's it's not because it it's actually when you would die, you gain 10 life. So it's a little different than just straight life gain. I don't know that it's playable, but it's, it is, it's better than just a simple life gain. It's got play and draft. 
I mean, it's a great hard card to have, in, like, if you're drafting or doing a seal. I mean, it's fine, because then, you know, you pull this one card out of your deck, and you don't necessarily die right away, but otherwise, I don't see any... See, I'm looking at, at it as something different than that. I'm looking at this as a deck or a card in your deck that if you have anything that lets you gain just one life, since you go back to zero, then you're back at one, so it resets itself, essentially, so that you're having to re-get hit before it starts doing poison counters. Yeah, that's exactly what I would say. Like, rather than going negative in life, you start gaining poison counters. So as soon as you start gaining life again, you you then have to be brought back down to zero. So I mean, it's it's far better than extending ten life. Hmm. All right, guys, I'm gonna throw something at you with this card. Ad nauseum is an Alara. That means that next year, Phyrexian Paul is going to be legal alongside of ad nauseum and extended. What do you guys think about that? I don't, you know, I don't know anything. I don't know that you would do anything with it, but I just thought about that. And it, with this enchantment in play, it's because it deals damage to you in, in poison, whereas ad nauseum causes you to lose life. So you, it won't kill you. So that's a, I mean, that's a draw your deck engine if you have something good enough to do with it. Yeah, I mean, and therein lies the problem. If you're going to need that, that, what was that? I was going to say therein lies the problem, though, is what do you have really that you could use to benefit from that, other than just oh, you have a draw engine. I, I think now if there is something that's printed that can enable that to be really, really awesome, yeah, I totally agree. That's going to be very problematic. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if it. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's. I mean, surely and. The last four years of Magic, there has to be something that you can break by drawing your entire deck in a turn. I'm not sure what it is, but you'd think. Well, what about the fact if you have to draw those cards and throw them in the graveyard? How does it work with Vengevine now? You could literally draw enough to have four Vengevines in your graveyard, have the cards to say, oh, have two Squadron Hawks in your hand, boom, boom, and all suddenly, there's 16. Yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of, like, you play... I've seen uh, Paul on like turn three or whatever. I assume if you have some sort of mana ramp, you can ad nauseum at the end of their turn to draw your deck out, and then you get to start the turn untapped with your deck in your hand. And that's, I think that's the way it would have to go. Mm. Yeah, just an interesting, interesting thought. Sure, yeah. security potential there, definitely. And, and now, of course, now we have people already trying to figure out how to break this. And within a week, someone will have a deck posted. <laughs> so we're setting. Isn't that how salvation normally works, though? But we're going to talk about a fun one next. The one I want to talk about: Pure Steel Paladin, two white, human knight, more knights. Yes. When equipment enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. Works well at Stoneforge. Metalcraft equipment you control costs zero to equip. I like it. You get three pieces of equipment out there. And now at the end of your turn, if you leave one back to block, you can move all your equipment onto that creature and provide a big blocker. That's the first thing I saw of, is when you, you know, you play Squadron Hawks and you play your Stoneforge Mystics and you get out three equipment and at the end of the turn you just go, I attack, swing, hit, and then I just, for free, move all my equipment over to this creature to leave it as a blocker. Yeah, that seems good. And uh, it, it keeps you from getting blown out when they have the bolt or something and you try to move it to equip it. I want to run a deck with all three swords in it. Jack, what do you think? 
Um, well, I think it definitely has the potential to boost a deck that's been kind of out there on the fringes lately, and that would be White Winnie Quest. But another card that we should definitely mention before we go on with this, because they're very comparable to one another, is Scrap Metal Fiend. Which, it's a red, it's a creature construct. Uh, Scrap Metal Fiend's power and toughness are equal to the number of artifact cards in all graveyards. Now, at the very least, this is going to help out that one red deck that we all kind of paid attention there for, to for about a month, and of course I'm talking about Cold Author Rebirth. At the very least, it's going to be a sideboard card for that deck, and it's going to be a great one. I personally think this thing's going to see play main deck. I think that card's pretty sweet, man. Or at least it has the potential to be sweet. But if you draw that first turn, it's a dead card. Yeah. And that's yeah, a problem. Usually your one casting class cards are playable right away. You're sitting with a card that you can't play with. Well, I'm not. I'm not even necessarily thinking about it in standard. So you're thinking standard. I'm thinking more along the lines of like, uh, you know, moxes and things, right? And how about a discard? Uh, I mean, if you have a, a, if you have a right, yeah, exactly. Let's not give people more ideas on how to make people's life miserable in Legacy. <laughs> Yeah, but then people will listen to the podcast and they'll love us, Robert. Well, that's true. That's true. That's true. All right, so we skipped over the one, Corbin. Yep. Next. Yes. The next card that we're looking at is, let's see here, my list. I have it as a Citra Priest. Yep. Uh, It's a one colorless, one white. It's a 1-1 that whenever another creature enters a battlefield under your control, you may gain a life. And then whenever a creature enters a battlefield under an opponent's control, you may have that player lose one life. So it's a uh, Souls Attendant meets the opposite of a Souls Attendant. Yeah. There's the black one that costs one, and when an opponent creature comes into play, they lose a life. Uh, I don't remember the name, but it was a while ago. Speaking of friends of the show, Smitty, and I'm actually going to skip down, because the card that he was talking about is green-white tokens coming back into play. The card he was combining with getting cards out with was with fresh meat. Three and a green, instant. For each creature put in your graveyard this turn, put a 3-3 green beast creature and the token onto the battlefield. You combine that with this thing, and let's say, you know, they wipe out four or five of your creatures or something like that, and, you know, you're getting through and put it out. That's another six-point swing. Well, see, I'm yeah, looking at that as more of a uh, day of judgment going along with that. Wipe out everything and then get all your stuff back as tokens. Yeah, I think the card definitely has potential because not only is it good post-wrath, it's also good with Eldrazi spawn. So you throw out a, uh, you know, a Nest Invader or a Kozilex Predator or something, and it's an instant, which is huge. So, like, there's a lot of potential to, to get value out of this and, and in addition to just beating wrath. Tangent? I think it sounds amusing. I don't know. I, it may not just, it may not work out really well, but I think I can have some fun with it. I, it, sounds, it seems like a card I'd like to play around with and try and, uh, I don't know, try and do something with some sort of back outlet or something. Yeah, Smitty, Smitty was all over that, touting that green-white tokens and green-white lives and it'll keep going on. And The only other thing that I thought was kind of interesting with that, and I don't I don't know if it would work out so well. Quest of the Holy Relic deck, lose all your creatures, play that spell, boom, out comes, you know, Quest gets to five, 
you know, then you have your ability to put your 6-6 Argenda Monitor out there as a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. We were to... Oh, let on. Which one do you have me looking at? Neurosurgery. All right. Let me find out here. Sorry, I was looking at some other stuff real quick. All right. One blue, one colorless for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent shuffles his library, you may look at the top two cards of that player's library. You may choose one of those cards and exile it, then put those cards back on top of the library in any order. I can see used to it, especially with all the cards these days that are dealing with drawing and shuffling. I see I see legacy use for it. There's a there's a bunch of tutors running around legacy. Yeah, but not the best tutor. It's true. Jack, what do you think? Which card are we talking about? I'm sorry, I was woefully distracted at the moment. Neurosurgery. Neurosurgery. Blue, green. Blue. Blue. Okay, let's take a look at this. Uh, you mean psychological surgery is what it is yes. on here? Uh, no, 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 no. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what to make of that just yet, honestly. Sideboard option? I'd say this almost has a uh, vintage playability. Because, I mean, it's it's two mana, you get to affect what they go tutor for, so then you get to play the head game of what they're grabbing. It's it's also interesting, the effect, the effect would stack if you have multiples in play. All of a sudden, you just put three lands on top of their library. Yeah, I mean, right. think of how many combo decks this is going to throw under the bus. And uh, play it alongside, I mean, I know Countertop is, is fading in Legacy right now, but if you think about it, alongside a deck like that, uh, just if you think about it, against any blue deck in... Legacy, where they, you know, brainstorm and then fetch land, so that they're getting a new draw. You get to to almost not nullify their brainstorm, but you keep it from being as good. It makes it completely inconsequential. My thoughts exactly. Species transplantation. It's an enchantment, a rare. When it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures you control are then the chosen creature type in addition to their other types. Why well, is this? Yeah, I don't know. Some way to break allies or something. I, well, I think it's fairly know. obvious that this is more geared towards EDH tribal. Personally, I was say it's got to be because yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think of why would you want to do that. You pretty much have to be playing something obviously like either allies or 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 uh, slippers or something to really gain. There's there's other things you can do. It's just gaining bonuses from. Lords and things like that too, but I don't know. There, I mean, there's tricks, obviously, but it yeah. just seems uh, not that great. Yeah, and we're looking at it through, you know, a competitive lens. Like, what could we do with this in standard? But you know, not, you know, Wizards is very clear in that they don't design all their cards like that. And I'm sure there's a ton of casual players who are gonna, you know, want to put this in their tribal decks. Jack, we should be calling Tom right now. Tom is probably salivating and having wet dreams about this thing. What are you saying? I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Come Sunday when he's on, he's going to go. This is the greatest card ever made. Well, probably. Don't we have a, probably, guys, don't we have a really excited thing? about playing this. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 Tangent. By all means, talk over me. I don't care. I'm not offended. <laughs> oh, I like talking over you, though, Jack, and you like it too. I, I, I like seeing you over me. But oh. You were saying. Wow. <laughs> Oh, I was just imagining Tom with his uh, primeval fighting ooze, and I figured he would be pretty excited about something like that. So. 
Yeah, I mean, don't we have a running theory that they're actually designing cards just for Tom? No. Yes. Uh, I'd say this all but confirms it, personally. Jack, we're back to you. Yo. All right, back to me. Um, I can't believe that nobody said anything about Praetor's grip yet. Follow the oh, order. Oh, out of order? Yeah. I think we're looking at different oh, okay. ways. Oh, yes. Chancellor? I, I'm looking at the Chancellor. Okay, yeah. Follow the link on the show notes. Most of all, oh, the following link is overrated. Oh, boy. Yeah, and I oh, mean, like, what's it? But these are, like, all... But, but, but. All right, fine. Let me let me pull up the show notes again, since I, I briefly looked over them. I did have them open. No, wait, here they are. Okay. Oh, you at least looked at uh, the show notes? Oh, God. God. No, I was totally <laughs> looked at the show notes. Okay, um, this week's... Uh, da, 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 spoiler list. All right, uh... I wasted ten here. whole minutes on these show notes. Come on, guys. Uh, Robert, when have I ever looked at the show notes though before we started recording? Oh, true. Very, very true. Okay, so that would require what are we supposed to be looking at, Robert, since we yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that would require me being prepared and ready and actually like psyching myself out before we recorded. But since I apparently <laughs> have been looking at a grossly different list, sir. What am I supposed to be looking at, Robert? If you say Chancellor the name, of promise. the Dross. Chancellor of the Dross. Okay, let me pull this up on the MTG Salvation list, which is what I was using. <laughs> a worse bill professional. Um, we were trying to promote Mana Nation's list. There's well, it is show. vastly superior because I will say that, you know what? They actually have all their typos and everything taken out. And unlike MTG Salvation, they don't make bad jokes at their own expense. So I vastly approve of Mana Nation's list over MTG Salvation's list, just Damn. for reference. Thank you. All right, but for Chancellor of the Dross, we do have, want to talk about cardboard here. Um, it's four, four and three black mana. It's a creature vampire, as if Twilight wasn't getting enough press and magic these days. If Blah is in your opening hand, you can reveal it. If you do, at the beginning of your first upkeep, you may have each opponent lose three life, gain life equal to the life lost this way, and it also has flying and lifelink. I mean, it's really cool to see opening hand abilities uh, popping up more and more throughout the game as it matures. But at the same time, I mean, at best, late game, you're talking about something that costs seven and has flying and lifelink. It'll be really cool for casual magic, but eh, you know. I see fringe playability at best in standard. Welcome to the dollar bin? Yeah, welcome to the dollar bin. Ten cents on eBay, dollar bin at the store. The cycle though was awesome. The, the you know if this is in your opening hand, do something. I think is really cool, but you know this card in particular is not really playable. You Jack, who is not following the list, will quote a Corbin. <laughs> we have glistening oil. It costs black black. It's a rare. It's an enchant creature. Uh, it's an aura, and it's enchanted creature has effect. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a negative one negative one counter on enchanted creature. When uh, this card goes to the graveyard from the battlefield, uh, return it to your to its owner's hand. So you gotta can give your own creatures effect, I guess, or it's a very slow removal spell. So. Doesn't it feel weird that this is a rare? I mean, really? Yeah. Now, not to provoke this discussion yet again, but I just this feels like at best to me a common. And I know there's plenty of arguments to be made for what makes a rare and what makes a common or an uncommon, but this thing is so freaking slow. What are you well, talking about, Jack? Man, after ten turns, you can get rid of a ten-toughness creature. I know, it's only going to take six turns to get rid of a primeval titan. I am so overjoyed. And the yeah, fact that... Yeah, exactly. Can you get it back? 
<laughs> now, see, I'm looking at this being a game ender. You know, you've got your Titan yeah. out there. You get rid of their blocker with, you know, Journey to Nowhere, some type of creature removal. Slap this on your creature and, you know, hit him for six tokens. Or, sorry, six counters. Mm-hmm. Next turn him for five counters, game over. Or Are you, you already could, kind of ahead by that point there? Yeah. Or you could search up some mountains in a battle code and just win. <laughs> well, yeah, you... You were talking about doubling season and things like that, though, right? So that could make it interesting. Uh, as, as far as as far as the rarity discussion goes, I would say that this is an uncommon because we get Phyresis, which was enchanting creature has effect. Adamir and Besiege was a common, and but yeah, this is a poor rare. Uh, Ladon, next. All right, Frexian. We already did this guy. I thought. No, no, he did the Praetor's Grip. All right. Phyrexian Canceller. Four black, mythic creature horror. It's a 5-5 five, five with trample. Whenever a source deals damage to new negotiator, that source's controller sacrifice is permanent for each damage dealt to it. Hmm. I read that. I don't get that. So, I mean, did someone misprint that, I assume? I don't get what that means. Well, it's it, because the card is modeled off of Phyrexian Negator from some amount of years ago, which was a 5-5 five, five for 3, I think, that whenever it took damage, it's controller sacrifice. So this is just... Right. It's a play yeah, on that. Yeah, but the name... What was that? It's, it's a play on that because, like, the their notes in the spoiler say New Negator just because that's what, they're, that's what it, the card refers to. And I think the reason it's called Phyrexian Canceller is the same thing, to be an homage to Phyrexian Negator. This oh, thing is okay. freaking awesome. Okay. Gotcha. But it's black, black, black. Yeah, black, hey. black, black. It, black. it doesn't matter, man. Vintage, man. Four. Dark Ritual, get him out turn not one. Even that, like, yeah, I mean, like, not even that, though, just... Yeah. At the most, you're still going to be sacrificing permanents. Yeah, you might have some tokens or something you can get rid of, but eventually it's going to start eating your lands or your planeswalkers or something else, and just that potential makes this card great. I mean, it's not an abyssal persecutor, but still. My problem with them pushing this, the fact that it costs four black and no colorless, is because if you look at, you know, you look at magic and there's supposed to be a trade-off for playing you know, multicolored decks. It's the whole argument between playing blue-white, uh, cobblade, and splashing black is that your mana base gets weaker. But see, the problem with it is at four black, you're punished by playing lands like Tectonic Edge, which are supposed to be lands you get to play when you're in a single color. So I, I feel like those two things kind of go against each other and that you're not able to get the full rewards from playing monocolor that I think you should be able to. It's another one of those things there. Now, I, Jack, I think you were reading Praetor's Grip, and I think I stopped you, so why don't you read it? All right, Praetor's Grip, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Like, that, that's the funny thing about the spoiler so far, is you have cards that are kind of like, wow, this is utter garbage, like the new Phyresis, and then you have stuff like this, which I think is going to be broken in half. Praetor's Grip, which is a colorless and two black, is a sorcery. Search target opponent's library for a card and exile it face down. Then that player shuffles his or her library. As long as it remains exiled, you may look at that card and cast it as though it were in your hand. Now, there's a couple of 
different combo decks that only use one or two copies of their uh, win condition. Oh, tendril, excuse me. Oh, gosh. Um, and I can imagine this being a very problematic card for them, alongside, you know, other cards that may already or may not present a problem, like a oh, mind break show. Oh, God. Oh, God. Well, is there something in your throat there, Jack? I, I think I, I've just caught a sickness of actually stomping really bad combo decks into the ground finally, yeah. I don't know, I kind of, I mean, I'm actually not very impressed by it because it's, it's, you're not gaining any card advantage by playing it. Um, I mean, it's probably too slow actually to even be that good in Legacy, like, because I think there's a triple black costing cost from Zendikar that would allow you to pull out three cards from their library if you're using it just to exile their win condition. So, like, so this sacrament's old. <laughs> if you pay about old. it in a game of standard, you pay three mana to go get something, and then you're going to have to pay mana to play that. So you're not – it's card selection, I guess. It's not card advantage, and it's really slow. Yeah, and actually I can agree to that assessment of it. But what if you're playing – Someone that has black in their deck, and you can pull out a piece that you could use later on in the game. I mean, if you can I'll give up, you're ahead. giving. I mean, it's you're giving up three mana at sorcery speed to take a card out of their deck and not do anything to their hand. I apologize. We had some issues recording. Mana screwed. Had to be busted into two parts, and the audio on the second half for me sounds very, very bad at best. Hope you enjoy. Part two of Mana Screwed with Out Tangent. We weren't unable to get him back, but we still have Jack, Ladon, and Corbin, and myself to entertain you for the next half hour or so. Thank you for listening. Uh, it doesn't offer any card advantage, and until you actually play the cards you've exiled out of their library, it's card disadvantage. So uh, I just don't, I think it's cool, but I don't think it's, it's going to see any play. Okay. I'm looking at it as a way just to look at your opponent's deck if you don't know what they're playing right away and figure out what the point of their deck is. Well, it has some purpose, too. I mean, it depends on if they're sneaking a, a, a tech card in there that you might not think in the matchup that they might have, something like that. All right. Um, let on. Take the next one. Do I have to? Yes. All right. Chancellor of the Furnace. It's a... Horror giant creature that's a rare, three red plus four colorless. You have to give me the one that has lots of words. Yes. If Chancellor of the Furnace is in your opening hand beginning of the game, you may reveal it. If you do, put a 1-1 one, one red goblin creature token with haste onto the battlefield at the beginning of the first upkeep step of the game. When Chancellor of the Furnace enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay or put X-1-1 one, one red goblin creature tokens with haste onto the battlefield. Some, something's got to be missing from that. Where's the... So it doesn't tell you what the X is. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's all we got here, so... Yeah. Functionally useless. Oh, wait, here we go. Uh, well, the MTV Salvation says the X is where X is the number of creatures you control. Ah. Functionally useless? Yeah. Way too expensive to cast. And it's 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 kind of cool. Like you can be like, oh, I'm gonna have a goblin guide and this one one with haste on turn one. But it's it's like playing a midnight with haste basically because you're 
you're taking a card out of your hand because you're never going to actually get to seven mana in the deck you would play it in. So. True. Jack, anything? Uh, I mean, you get past a certain amount of mana with a, a card, and you just start looking at what you get out of it, and sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. This is one of those moments where it simply doesn't. Yeah. All right. The next one is Infecting Parasite. Three, two red, creature horror rare. It comes in the battlefield, exile target land. Whenever a land with the same name enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, Infecting Parasite deals two damage to that player. Well, goodbye, monocolor decks. Yeah, but it's five. It's a three-two. Yeah, the only way this would ever be good is if you played on turn three off a Lotus Cobra. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, then you're playing that ramp deck again, and what what are you right. giving up? What are you giving up in the five slot? Right, a lot of a lot of better things you could be doing. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and we'll give Jack the winner one. Go ahead, Jack. All right, what's the winner one I'm supposed to know about, Robert, since we're, once again, using two separate lists, sir? Scrap Demon. Scrap Demon? Yes. Uh, Scrap Metal Fiend, same, your, on your, the other list. Yeah, 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 okay. On the, the vastly less superior list, might I add. Yes. Uh, Scrap Metal Demon, uh, I believe I already mentioned this a moment ago, but anyways. Uh, creature constructs, scrabinals, blah, 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 are equal to the number of artifact graveyards and all graveyards, and it's got a star star, and it's a one red. Um, I mean, at best, this could see French playability in Cold Author Red, like I said. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's pretty useless. It's... Yeah, I think, I think that's the direction I'm leaning to. Except in, I, I think it could be, I think it could be really good in Affinity. Oh, yeah. Affinity, yeah. definitely. Yeah, true. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, Jack, we'll give you the next one, too, since you already did Scrap Demon. All right, well, what would be the name of the next one, Robert? Abrask the Hidden. Abrask the Hidden, which is three colorless and two red. It's a legendary creature, Praetor. It's a 4-4. Four, four. Creatures you control have haste. Creatures your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. Ooh, I got a new favorite mono red general. <laughs> like this, this guy's pretty sweet. I gotta admit. Um, as far as like constructed playability, this is one of those cards that just to me seems like it was exclusively designed for EDH, so I really can't gauge it there. Um, but that's a pretty nasty effect, needless to say. And on a body that's a four four for that much, that's not really that bad. I kind of look at it as a creature version of Kismet. <laughs> This, this is my pick, right, from what we have. This is the second most expensive card to me out of what we've seen behind probably Karn. Because, like, just think about how sick this is if you played on, on turn three off a of Lotus Cobra, which is something that legitimately happens all the time in Rug. <laughs> and it doesn't, and it doesn't die to bolt. Like, that's just, that's crazy. Yeah, you're gonna this is great. I like this guy. You're gonna have to do a burst lightning kicked to do that, and that you can't do on turn four. Oh wow, yeah, that's gonna be an issue. Huh? Yeah, and it, it hits. I mean, it hits like if you're playing rug or something, and 
your opponent, you know, you're playing Cobbler or something, they get a Stoneforge Mystic, like, okay, great. Then you have your, you're attacking with it because it has haste on, on turn three. And, you know, your Cobra at that point, if you wanted, um, assuming you have, you know, if you have the mana next turn to drop like a Jace or something, and they're, they're, uh, Squadron Hawk or whatever they put into play comes into play tap, like, this thing is just going to end games. Hmm. I like that idea. Uh, Ladon, we'll skip fresh meat. Go to the next one. Go to the first artifact. All right, we'll go to the Caged Sun. Six mana artifact, rare. When Caged Sun enters the battlefield, choose a color. Creatures you control of the chosen color get plus one, plus one. Whenever you tap a land for mana, add one mana of the chosen color to your mana pool. Don't like it at all. A lot of other ways to give your creatures plus one, plus one if you're playing that type of deck, and it's way too expensive. No arguments from me on that one. Okay. I mean, I'm sure yeah. in Legacy, maybe there's some type of combo deck you could build off of it, like that High Tide deck, but... It's uh, it's just an update on Gauntlet's Power, I think it was, or Gauntlet's of Might, only in yeah. this one. Yeah, it was, it was Gauntlet of Power. Right, and, and Gauntlet of Power says, I believe, it says Basic Land, and this one doesn't, so... Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's okay. All right, uh, the next one is Hex Parasite. One, artifact, insect, rare. Uh, X in the symbol, remove up to X counters from target permanent. For every counter moved this way, Hex Parasite gains one zero to the end of the turn. It can be paid for with either black mana or paying two life. He seems like a very fun card against... In a mono-black deck, of course, you'd have to play it in mono-black to be able to not absorb paying tons of life. But it'd be fun to be able to remove counters from Jace and things like that. And to give it plus one, plus zero. Yeah, this is the first card I think we've looked at here that has the, I guess, the Phyrexian mana symbol. Yep. So for everyone who doesn't know what that is, it's a, it's it can be paid with either a color... Like, in this one, it says black. Uh, there's also, you know, there'll be one for every color, I'm sure. You can either pay black or the two black colors. Yes. Uh, let's go back to uh, Corbin. Yeah. Uh, Norn Annex is our next card, and it's three colorless, and then two white Phyrexian mana symbols, which means you can pay it either with white, in which case it would cost three colorless and two white, or you can play for three mana and four life, because each symbol is two life. Uh, and it says, creatures can't attack you or planeswalkers you control unless their controller plays uh, Phyrexian mana symbol white for each attacking creature, which means they have to either pay one white mana or two life for each creature to be able to attack. What are you guys thinking about this? Well, it's like I was saying before we started the show, it seems really strange to me that we actually have a card that says Planeswalker is anything other than a type. Like, that the word is actually mentioned somewhere on the card. Because I think this is really the first card we've seen that directly states Planeswalkers, isn't it? Like, affecting a Planeswalker? I believe so. Yeah. Because usually when just... To my knowledge, at least, when Wizards is trying to refer to permanence or uh, anything like that, I mean, yeah, they might be talking about Planeswalkers, but they just straight up designed the card to destroy permanence as well. That way they solve a lot of templating issues. Yeah, uh, I mean, the thing is, if, they, if they're if they going to make this card, this, if they're trying to make a Ghostly Prison-like effect, 
you know, I guess there's not any other way to do it except to say Planeswalkers. I mean, they could have worded it something like creatures your opponent's control can't attack. That would have been a way around it. What do you guys think about the uh, its playability? It could cause a lot of fun, especially if white... The problem is, is as long as Stoneforge Mystic exists, white will still exist. So you could pay the white mana. It's too bad it wasn't... You know, like Just the Phyrexian mana, maybe? It's well, it'll be around two after some fortune sick. Yeah, true. And you have to play it. Well, literally, I mean, you're paying, you know, a, a two life for attacking. I mean, does this mean now you just load up everything on one creature and swing with one creature, pay the two life, and hope you're hitting him for six or eight? You know, in exchange for it? And hope they don't have the condemn in hand, too. True. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is... Uh, I mean, I think it definitely it could have a use. The thing that concerns me about it is the decks where you would want it against, uh, like a uh, you know, like a, a really good, like an aggro deck, you want to be able to run this out there on turn three, uh, which you can do, but generally the decks that you want this against can pay the life and kill you before you're able to kill them. Uh, so if this so was, it depends on the deck. So if this was one and two, Uh, I mean, like, the reason Ghostly Prison is so good against creature decks is because it's mana, and that's something that aggro decks, you know, don't have a lot of, and certainly don't have a lot of when they're trying to swarm you. Uh, but if you're fighting a deck that's trying to kill you on the fourth or fifth turn, they are going to be able to pay ten life, for instance, go down to eight or nine, and, and kill you before you're able to stabilize. All right. Jack, pristine talisman. Give me an easy one. Well, this one's fairly boring there. Yeah. But uh, for anybody that doesn't know and somehow managed to live under a rock on game day, uh, Pristine Talisman is three colorless. It's an artifact. You tap it. You add a colorless mana to your pool. Mysteriously, you gain one life as well. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know what else to say on this card. I could possibly see some blue-white control decks using it as a backup. But, I mean, ooh. And, and right now you already have two artifacts at two mana to advance you a turn with Everflowing Chalice and yeah, the sun, I mean, so. yeah, I mean, there's there's absolutely no reason at this time to even get excited about this card. And also about the next card, not getting excited about. Let on read the next card. Scream Whip, artifact equipment, rare, four mana, living weapon, equipped creature gets plus one plus one for every swamp you control. To equip it, it costs you either two Phyrexian, which is in this case can be black, or two life. Well, for a black weenie deck, maybe, but you know, other than a mono color, I can't see it being useful. They had this with uh, another. I forgot the name of it now. I I should know it by now, but it's uh it was you pay four to cast it, and you'd lose three life to equip it, and it's plus one, plus one for each swamp you own. It, it, this card's a reprint of another card. You know, actually, thinking about it, this could actually be useful in an infect deck. Good. But it costs four. You know what I'm saying? 
Well, you wouldn't play a lot of it. It's equipment, so I mean. But in the four slot, I mean, you're talking about you're talking about Phyrexian Vatmother, other cards like that that would scream much better in a poison deck. Maybe if an maybe if an like an aggro mono black poison deck comes out or something, you can replay. But I think that's pretty much it. Because right now the the good poison lists are more control decks with poison cards. So splashed in for fun. All right, um, Jack, spawning shell. And since I'm actually using the vastly superior Mana Nation list now, Yay. spawning shell is a, I think that's a green Phyrexian symbol and three colorless. Uh, it's an artifact. Um, green Phyrexian symbol, colorless, like we have to find an easier way to say that. I mean, honestly, come on. Uh, Grixen dot, whatever. Okay. Tap, sack a creature. Search your library with a creature with converted mana cost equal to the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost plus one. Put that creature into play, then shuffle your library. Play this ability only when you play a sorcery. Um, at first, I was awfully excited about this thing because in some small way, I hope that this would be like a more affordable natural order, uh, even though it's nowhere near the power level of natural order for legacy. Then I got, read that plus one, and I was like, yeah, Elves probably isn't going to play this. Because you've already got Green Sun Zenith, which for any green deck that would possibly get any benefit out of this, um, you're not going to use it. You're going to much rather prefer to use the Green Sun Zenith. Um, other than that, I mean, I could see it in fitting like a Glissa-style EDH deck. Uh, and as we don't really know what the metagame is going to look like for standard, I think it's impossible to gauge the overall effectiveness of this card. Yeah, I agree. I do like the design, though. I think using these striking symbols, because uh, I thought it was just really expensive, but when you brought a natural order, I'm looking at it, and you can actually, if you pay for life, it costs the same as a natural order. That uh, is true. So uh, I like the design of these cards, and I really like the Phyrexian mana. But this card itself is probably not going to be constructed playable. Also, there, since we're on this discussion anyways, there's something very flavorful about the Phyrexian symbols because that's at its heart like what evil is in the Magic Universe. You have to sacrifice a little bit of yourself to do something. So I think that's really cool. I can agree with that. And we'll get to the last two. Uh, Spell Splitter 2, Artifact Creature Horror, where the blue Phyrexian symbol, a target, Spell or ability that targets spell splitter instead, Phyrexian symbol can be spent by paying blue or two life. It's a zero four. Um, do I? I don't know. I guess if you want to use it as a sacrificial lamb so they can't kill off your creature, maybe it could see play in the sideboard against. Red deck wins. So, I mean, yeah. it blocks most of their creatures and then eats a burn spell later. Yeah, because it is, it is a 0-4, which would be nice, because if they're playing their lightning bolts, you can, you know, zap it to that, and it takes it to a 0-1, which doesn't really hurt it. I mean, I could see, if you put this in a, in a blue deck of some nature, I could see this against a red deck soaking up, you know, like really probably save you 6 to 8 life over the course of a game. Yeah, and it comes out early enough that it stops their goblin guides and, you know, things like that, the aggro creatures early that they put out. And the last one we will leave for our special guest this, this week, Ladon. Sword of War and Peace. 
All right. Three mana, artifact equipment, protection from white and red. Creatures get plus two, plus two, and the rest, well, that's up to our imagination at the moment. I think it's going to be awesome. But that's just me. Jack? I think- Go ahead. I think just having protection from red and white is going to be really insane. And, uh, you know, put it in probably, like, because right now the sort of body in mind is kind of a, it's in some cobbled, it's uh, not in some other list. This just seems like, I don't know about the abilities, and I don't want to say it's strictly better after the whole discussion on that last week that went on on Twitter, but having protection from red and white seems a lot more relevant than blue. And blue. So. I agree 100%. <laughs> uh, okay, and that's the end of our spoiler list. Let's go to let's go to the fact of what's going on this weekend. GP Dallas, Corbin. Let's see. Can we, get, can we get you to leak out what you're playing? Uh, if I knew, if I knew, I would leak it. Um, I can't make up my mind. I I'm in an interesting position. Uh, one because I don't actually own a ton of cards. Okay. So I go through a bunch of cards trading, but as far as building decks, I don't actually have a lot of auras and that sort of thing. So most of my cards are borrowed. Uh, for this GP, I actually do have access to a lot of cards. Um, I'm not sure what I want to play. If In a perfect world, I would be playing Pyromancer's Ascension because uh, I've been playing around with it after... Chad Avis, who's, uh, you might know him as, uh, Torio Tutor on Twitter, uh, shipped me a list that he went 531 in the City Games Open with. So that he's a is, person? I just he thought, is. <laughs> I just thought it was a native person, but no, go ahead, yes. It's, uh, main deck is, is obviously your base, your, uh, Pyromancer's Ascension list. Really the only interesting thing about the main deck is that you run, uh, Jace's Ingenuity over 4C which I like a lot because it allows you to hold open your mana leaks and then you either get them to counter it at the end of their turn or you're able to draw. If they counter it, then they're tapped out, and if they don't, then you get a bunch of cards you walk. But what really makes the deck interesting is the sideboard plan has three Trinket Mage, one Dark Sulax, three Shape Anew, and a Blightsteel Colossus. And <laughs> you bring it in against the non-Jace decks. And a lot of decks, a lot of the Vengefine decks sort of... They don't have an answer to you burning out their first couple guys and then going uh, Trinket Mage into Dark Sulax into Shape of New into one-shot the robot. Like, it's been really good. Um, I've, he, he tells me that the Cowboy matchup is good. I haven't got a chance to test it. I don't know if I'm going to before this weekend to actually be brave enough to, to sleeve it up. But that's what I would love to play. What I'm more likely to play, I like... I, I, I'm not that brave. I have to. I normally default to something that's proven itself. So I'm probably going to play Red Black Vampires that got 16th at the Grand Prix last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the guy who was playing it went 7-1 against Cobblade, and it, that's good enough for me. I think uh, if you can post that kind of uh, percentage against that deck. So. All right. So what do you feel about the meta game? Well, I think it's going to be different than uh, the Grand Prix in Barcelona last week because uh, the Star City Games Open Series here has really what's been the rise in Cobblade, and it's not as popular overseas as it, as it is here, um, you know, as evidenced by the fact that uh, Cobblade 
didn't win the Grand Prix. You know, Blue Black won the Grand Prix, I believe. Um, and uh, just typical Blue Black control. But I, I think it's going to be full of Cobblade. Um, and, you know, I think there's going to be a good showing by Valakut as well. Uh, so I really think it's, it's more open than people think, especially now that it's a Grand Prix in the United States. Uh, you have a bunch of, of pros uh, putting their work into actually beating Cobblade rather than just playing it, which is kind of, you know, the what happens for the Star City Games Open Series because it's, the stakes aren't as high. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot more innovation come out of come out of Dallas here, especially with Barcelona setting the stage. Okay. Uh, what deck do you think will make a surprise appearance this weekend? Uh, well, I hear about a Mono Green Eldrazi ramp um, with Wall of Tangle Quartz main deck, I believe. Uh, it helps your Overmer Battlements make more mana, and uh, it blocks blocks equipped Hawks. So... Uh, I think that deck is, is is poised to do really well, um, and you know I think if people write off Valakut too much, it can it, it's going to show up. So I think there's going to be a ton of Callblade decks on day two, and there's you know surely going to be a couple of tight, but I don't think that it's just going to be a runaway uh, runaway of Callblade like like a lot of people would expect. So you're not predicting a full top eight of Callblade. I really hope not. Uh, but no, I think I think there'll probably be three to four Cobblade decks, which is obviously very good, but it may not necessarily be the best deck. Do you think we're going to see a better turnout with Valakut or a better turnout with Rug this week? Probably Rug, um, because I think more people are going to be playing it. The reason I think uh, the reason I think Valakut's in a good position right now is that most of the decks that have a good matchup against Cobblade like a lot of these Vengevine decks, for instance, don't have a good Valakut matchup. So there's no denying that Cobblade is going to be, you know, the most played deck in the room. So it makes sense as a deck builder uh, to play a deck that beats Cobblade. But, you know, in turn, that opens it up to Valakut players who have a good matchup against those decks. Um, so, you know, that's why I, I think Valakut is, is going gonna, is gonna to make a pretty good showing. All right, so what's your plan to win this whole damn thing? Well, i got to settle on a deck first, okay. uh, but I might I might play Vampires. I, I like the deck, and I think Vampires is uh, pretty well positioned right now, too, because there aren't main deck spreading Cs in uh, nearly every deck you play, which is nearly a time walk against Vampires because everything you play uh, outside of our trail costs colored mana, not generic mana. Um, so I think... That is going to give me a good shot. I've played it more than I have Cobblade. Um, you know, I I recognize that Cobblade is, is the best deck, but I don't want to go in a room where you're going to be playing a mirror match all day long with a deck that I'm not that familiar with. Um, so that's why I'm trying to go with a deck that I, I feel can beat Cobblade and have, uh, you know, good shot against the rest of the field. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of someone who's coming out of the mothballs of competitive magic. Ladon, how's your testing been going? I've been testing quite a few ideas. Um, tried a couple with you tonight that I think may have a chance since they were able to beat Cobblade a couple times in a row. But, uh, you know, I might just fall back in Cobblade if I have to. Uh, what decks are you monkeying with outside of Cobblade? Well, the one that I'll talk about is a green-black-blue deck. 
that revolves around Death Touch, the little sprinkling in of Infect. And the other one, well, I don't really want to talk about that one too much because, well, that may be my secret weapon this weekend. Okay. And what do you think, because, you, because you'll be playing Friday to get buys, hopefully, uh, how difficult do you think it'll be having to play somewhere potentially up to 10 rounds in a day? Well, you know, after how pathetic my uh, first game back into Magic was last week, I think that uh, trying to win enough of the you know, games, only have two losses if there's 10 rounds, it's going to be awfully tough for the first day. Be yeah, those these, those long rounds are rough. I, I, it, it was bad on me. I went to my first Grand Prix last year in Houston and went six and three. And by the end of the day, I was making some some mistakes that you just don't think you'd ever make going into it. But after that many rounds, it's rough. Well, the time itself playing, I don't think it's gonna be an issue for me. I think it's gonna be just I'm not familiar with enough of the cards at the moment. So if someone's gonna pull some card. If I'm playing Call Blade, I'm not going to necessarily know what the best card counter is and which cards I should let get through. So I'm not sure what the momentum is yet, so I still got to do quite a bit of reading this week. Yeah. So, Jack, you still with us? Of course I'm still with you. Jack, I need you to read the next set of questions. The next set of questions, because I'm obviously following the show notes. Hold on one moment, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, Robert, what are you going to be doing in Dallas? That's what I want to know. Well, besides besides running away and never coming back, uh, no, um, I'm actually there to do uh, interviews. Uh, I'll be doing stuff for Channel Fireball, um, doing some stuff for MTG Cast, keep myself very just busy. being a an amazing man overall. I think is what you're trying to say. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, is it, do, do you do any wrong? I often question myself this. Um, there's a lady upstairs that will tell you I do things wrong all day long. So, oh, psh, psh, psh. I, I fail to believe it, man. I, You know, Roberto, is this going to be another one of those weekends when, yet again, I look at the RSS feed and I see your name about 20 times in a row. Make that happen. Make it happen. Yes. I'll do my best. I'm, I'm excited to see what you have, Robert. I'm excited to see what you come up with this weekend. I've got the new recorder right here in my hand. The brand new recorder I went out today and got. And Mike Corbin, he went ahead and said finagle, so you know you mean serious business. <laughs> Rob, you do know that I did make that deck for you so you could play. No, I'm not playing. I'll even pay your entry fee. No, I'm not playing. Come on, you want to do it? Can't turn that down. I don't want to play. No, 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 no. I have. Maybe if you toss in dinner as well. Well, I am already giving them a place to sleep. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah, a place to sleep definitely trumps actually having food when it comes to a magic adventure. <laughs> Sometimes, yes, it's definitely yes. true. No, 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 I've got too much work. Uh, I would have given everything in the world to have a safer place to stay when we went to Atlanta, but oh, that's now. a discussion for another time. <laughs> Atlanta was a great place for you. No, like, no, I will be completely serious. The actual event was fun, but Atlanta is the scummiest city I think I've ever been to in my entire life. And I mean that as seriously as I humanly can. But you love the eight-lane highways. Oh, sorry, the ten-lane highways. No, it wasn't even that. Like, I literally stepped out of the car, and I looked down, and my shoe was in broken glass. And I looked at the side of my jean, and, like, the smog was so pungent that the salt had just caked me up to my knee. But anyways, you digress, yes. I, I, I digress about as further from the subject as I possibly can. Okay, Jack, next question. 
Uh, the next question. Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess I do have to look at the show notes again. Yes, you do. All right. Who exactly are you going to be interviewing for MTG Cast? You don't mind me asking. Oh, well, let's see. I uh, have a uh, interview set up with Kristen, Kristen Calcano, uh, hopefully during the first round of the tournament uh, to do uh, probably a smaller version of the Meta Magic with him. Um, I will definitely try to begin Corbin as he's, you know, nine, ten, oh, you know, come over and spend some time. <laughs> you should give me, you should give me before my buys because I might be out after the fourth round, <laughs> fifth round, I guess. <laughs> well, then you'll have plenty of time to come join me over and. and that's true. That, that's my plan for Sunday if uh, if Saturday doesn't go so well. Hey, you know, Rob, if Adina does better than me, then you can always interview her. Well, yes, and that would be bringing sexy back to magic, which would be a good thing. So, we we could just add a beat to it, and it would be great. True. And you know, Robert, how are you actually going to survive doing all this? That's my question. Well, you know, it it's going to be a lot of talking, a lot of a lot of wandering around, trying to figure out who is, you know, the relative unknowns playing some deck that's skyrocketing up the ranks, you know. Try to find that person that, you know, will not get on coverage at all because, you know, GG's Live will have nobody but everybody but the greatest players on there. You know, you will see, you know, Khan and all those other guys on there. You know, you're not going to see, you know, Joe Nobody against Joe Nobody. Not at a GP. Just will not happen. So I'm Ah, but you may see this nobody versus that somebody, and when this nobody wins, well. That, that's true. And, and then I can take full credit for helping you get there. So, you know. Just for convincing me to come back after 14 years, I'm not even thinking about ever looking back at the game. There you go, see? And I'm going to try to find the people who aren't well-known and try to get them and talk to them while they're, you know, shooting up the ranks, you know, five, four, five, four ones, five ones, six, you know, six twos, people that are on the verge of making it that may never get a minute of time just to be able to pull them over, talk to them if they have some kind of unusual deck that gets them to a certain point. Just to try to give them, you know, even if it's, you know, five minutes of an interview just to get them to let people know who they are. That's kind of kind of what my plan of attack is for that, to try to get people on. And I think it's only right because, I mean, I'm personally, like I said, I'm hoping to see some kind of crazy infect deck. Or, you know, what scares me is when Paul Reitzel is saying he doesn't want to play Boros. Yeah. Okay, that's telling me we're suffering really hard at the hands of Magic when possibly the greatest weenie, weenie slash Boros player in existence can't play his favorite deck. That's a problem. So I will be looking for those people who are rocking the decks, you know. And, you know, for my man Smitty, if someone's rocking uh, Tez Hammer now, I guess that's what it's called. Has written. Uh, no, not Tez Hammer anymore. Tez. Mind Hammer, I think he's calling it. Yeah, Mind Hammer now. Uh, stuff like that. You know, if he's if he's got some decks out there, he knows. I'll try to look and see if I can find them. Maybe pull them inside and say, "Hey, where'd you get that deck list from?" Just try to get stuff up there for people so they get a lot of content, a lot of you know stuff about people you may not know. Uh, we are going to be doing a Friday pregame show. At the Channel Fireball booth, where we're going to be... With cheerleaders? No cheerleaders, unfortunately. We're going to well, this is a magic event. Never mind. True, it is a magic event. No, no, AJ, AJ had his cheerleading... He did. Sure. So, it's not possible. Uh, he had... Uh, 
So I'm going to do uh, a free game show Friday night with the guys from Channel Fireball. Try to get some interviews with them, put that up on video. Uh, Saturday morning, we're going to probably try to have a, I guess, finish up with them, maybe have a pregame show, and then at the end of Saturday, we're going to have a, a Saturday night wrap-up of, you know, who made it, who's in day two out of the out of the Channel Fireball team, and so on and so forth, and maybe get their thoughts and things like that on there. So that's what I'm going to be doing for Channel Fireball, along with trying to keep Tristan out of, you know, stepping on camera as much as possible, because... You know, they want him to buy stuff. Buy, 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 buy. So, yeah. If people want to buy stuff, i got lots of stuff to sell, 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 sell. <laughs> <laughs> so, but on that note, guys, I think uh, we need to um, say goodbye. Um, you can reach us at manscrewed.gmail.com. You can reach all of us on Twitter, and they'll be listed in the show notes. Anybody, final thoughts before we get out of here? Jack? I, I love each and every one of you with all that I possibly can. And definitely, if you guys ever want to play against the most hated man in Magic, you should get on Cockatrice and look for Jack at MTGCast as one of the usernames. I'm typically on there after 5 p.m. Eastern, and I'm currently testing Extended and some Legacy list because what better time to start brewing for a format when it's about to die? <laughs> So definitely, yeah. I mean, yeah. What better time? So definitely hit me up, guys. So, Corbin, final thoughts? Uh, Not much. Thank you for having me on the show, guys. I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to the GP this weekend. I'm actually I'm going to meet a lot of people that I have never met in person before, uh, such as you guys who I just talked to on here. So I'm looking forward to it. Yes, you are. I promise you, Robert's nowhere near as tall as you think he is. Yes, I am. I am Conley Woods in height. Just I don't have the barrel chest. He's only six foot four. It's okay. I don't have Conley Woods' chest though. See, I love that you guys say he's only six foot four because I'm five five. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's not intimidating at all. Hey. Well, I mean, I'm six five if I'm wearing my boots. <laughs> That'll be interesting. I'm about six three, and I'm used to being taller than people, so uh, I'll be looking up to you guys. And, well, I mean, I'm six three, but you know, boots have quite a bit of height. Corbin, I I look up to you anyways there. (laughs) And Adina's 5'2 in heels, right? No, she is like (laughs) 5'5. See, I can say this on the podcast because she'll never listen, so we're okay with that. No, no, I mean, mean, after all, who listens to Maniscrude? I mean, really. Hey, after after last week, about 2,500 people. Seriously, we had 2,500 extra people? Really? Yay. That is awesome for a comeback. Yes. Yes, it is. And I just got a server timeout. I love free software. (laughs) Hold on. Final thoughts before you travel down the road, travel up the road, actually, in your case, too. Yeah, my three-hour drive to get to you. Yeah. I get to pick your ass up from the uh, airport. The second time time you'll be headed to the airport that evening. Yes, within one hour of each other. (laughs) But any final thoughts? Mm, yeah, let's go. Let's uh, hopefully uh, have some fun at the GP, and uh, hopefully I can place. That well, might come back to the story. You'll always place. I mean, you know, when there's Fine. Hopefully I make the day two and place somewhere on day two. Okay. I'll say Good luck. Someone will always be 1,700, you know. I'm not worried about that. Okay. 1,699. All right. We're, we're counting from here. 
Um, my final thoughts are tangent. Uh, when we had our little phone connection issues with uh, Skype, we lost him and could not get him back on. As a matter of fact, he is still not back on. So I'm sure he would say that he would wish everybody luck and hope you guys have a lot of fun. On that note, this oh, and Rob, yes, I just had to interrupt you there. Did you get a chance to look at that email I sent you? No, I did not look yet. Damn you! It's relevant to this conversation. All right. We will hold off ending the show for another minute as I pull up my hotmail and attempt to... I mean, really, you guys are recording a podcast about Magic the Gathering like you have anywhere else to be for the rest of the night. Hey, I have somewhere else to be. I have bed. That's about the only other place I can be right now. Yeah, I get up for work at 540. Actually, (laughs) oh, holy crap, yeah. Oh, well, you've... He has a shirt. He has an illegal Magic the Gathering shirt. Shh. That was my gift for a wizard. <laughs> it will get him in trouble and banned from the tournament. So I shouldn't wear that to the tournament day one? You could have a lot of fun with it. I bet you'd have a lot of people asking about it. So, yes. But on that note... It can't be any worse than a kid I saw wearing a Blame It on Kimbler shirt. Yeah, well, people still are wearing the Spider Hawk shirt, Okay. That's disturbing. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So on that note, uh, we will end the show for this week. We will be back on our regular scheduled time of Thursday because I can't keep juggling all these balls all the time. And on Why? That you, note, you like to juggle balls. I know. I mean, clearly you have five male co-hosts on this evening. Yeah, I know. I know. And you walked into that one, Robert. I mean, you did. On. You really did. <laughs> the testosterone is overflowing tonight, and on that note, I have probably at least an hour and a half of editing because we have two shows that have to be slammed together to make one. So I will take care of that tomorrow, and hopefully this will be up by Thursday. So Corbin, who did not leak his list to us, will not have it up there for you to know. So when you play him, you can beat him. On that note, everybody that's playing, good luck. You will see me down there. I will be the Really tall dude with the um, recorder in one hand and probably one or two forms of Channel Fireball shirts on the other. So thanks again for listening, everybody, and hopefully the gang will all be back next week with Tangent not being disconnected from the road. And for that note, good night. <laughs>